0: You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside and outside the Fox 59 CBS4 podcast studio. Welcome to the training camp, the first training camp edition of the Colts Blue Zone podcast. Alongside Joe Hopkins here in studio, I'm Dave Griffiths. I just hightailed it back from Westfield Grand Park. Mike Chappell is way more dedicated to his craft than me. He is still out there doing work. Up in Westfield to get stories online fox59.com, CBS4Indy.com. From all we've heard from players and coaches over the past couple days, we will certainly dive into a lot of what's been said, a lot of what we have seen so far over these two days up at training camp. Give you the latest updates from the Colts around the league as well. We'll talk top position battles, but first. We are going to start just with some generic news from the beginning of the week as uh, Chris Ballard came out, gave a little bit of a statement uh, of state of the franchise, sort of uh, talked about several specific issues for the team. But uh, fortunately, the most newsworthy item, I say fortunately based on everything we went through last year, fortunately, the most newsworthy item from this first week of training camp, Mike Chappell, is Darius Leonard is no longer Darius Leonard. Shaq
1: Leonard. it's it's funny because he explained it. He was very nice in explaining it. And it it took someone with the Colts, uh, Laura Overton to sort of ask him the question because she knew, because I guess my point is tell us, you know, if if you really want to be called Shaquille, tell us. And he he mentioned how, well, I was really, you know, shy as a rookie. And, and I was told to keep my mouth shut by Randy Moss. That's fine. But year two, year three, after you're an all pro, tell us because, we want to know what to call you for crying out loud. And so that's fine. But he said, to call you can call me D or you can call me Maniac. I have trouble calling a player Maniac. It's like calling somebody <laughs> Spider-Man. Uh, you know, I, I just, I need to know a name. So, hey, that's fine. I, I thought the bigger news, I, I'll break from this real quick. The bigger news is he's on PUP, which we knew. And there's no timetable. He was out there today watching practice. And I realize why teams don't give you timetables because if they give you a timetable and they miss it, we'll say, well, hell, you, you said guy was going to be there in two weeks. But, but un- until he's back, pra- not back practicing, until he's practicing, I- I'm a little concerned because it's, it's back surgery. They-, they can call it a procedure all they want. It's back surgery. And uh, uh, until he's back, I'm a little concerned. Yeah, and, and that's completely understandable. He
0: I was kind of watching him with the linebackers a little bit today. Like he looks fine, but of course, like after back surgery, Joe, you're gonna be out you can be out there in a shirt and shorts and you're not gonna show much much wear. It's uh it's a physical game, it's a contact game. So I I'm not I'm not personally drawing any conclusions based on what I've seen. As as Mike said, well, whenever you throw out the uh the the no timetable for return, that that immediately raises some red flags just because of the the worst case scenario pops into your head and you understand why that could be the case.
2: Yeah. And you know, like Mike said, you don't want to give a timetable and then they not meet it. We've seen stuff with, um, you know, the nightmare scenarios with Andrew Luck and whatnot in the past. So uh, the overall theme I seem to be getting from the team, though, is they still expect him to be ready for week one. Is that still the case?
0: Yeah, I I wouldn't, I wouldn't say otherwise. Um, We haven't really dove too deep into that. I don't think yet um, about specific timelines, but uh, like, cause, cause again, they say no timeline. So it's, it's kind of pointless right now at the start of camp, uh, to, to really push hard on that. Cause they tell you no timeline. And then maybe next year we're like, Hey, any update on Darius? And then we can uh, get a little bit. And he- heck, if, if it gets to the point where, uh, after a little bit, like Darius is still not practicing by the first preseason game, we're like, Hey, is he, is he going to be ready for the season? So that, that's, I think something that'll happen over time uh, that we get a little bit more uh, specifics on that.
1: Yeah, and I think what was, on the flip side, what was very encouraging to me is Julian Blackman did not open on Pup. He's he's practicing. He's just he's playing. He's just playing. And when we talked to Chris Bowery, he said, yeah, we've got Rodney McLeod. Now that we know it was a, it was a knee procedure. And uh, who else was a knee procedure? Oh, Michael Straughn. That doesn't sound good. Uh, they said maybe by the end of camp. Well, then you're talking, well, maybe Pup which is missing part of the part of the season. And, and that's the worst thing I, I saw. I was going to bring this up. That's the worst possible thing for Mike Strawn.
0: Joe no question. Is, is yeah. Yeah. And Mike, it, it, the fact that like you're, you're this guy that you specifically drafted as a developmental guy, to be able to put work throughout the offseason. He hasn't had an offseason here. This was supposed to be finally a normal offseason where you can put Mike Strawn to work, and they haven't been able to do that. If fans are out there and you were salivating last year over the possibility of getting Mike Strawn the ball this year sometime, I don't think it's going to happen just because he has had nothing to do this off season. Cause he hasn't been able to get out there. He hasn't been able to work because of this knee procedure and with a new quarterback and, and everything new that you throw in as a wrinkle with that, he he's going to be way
2: behind when he finally gets out on the field. Yeah. You can't develop when you're not on the nope. field and you're not putting in that work. Uh, I feel bad for him. Extremely athletic player. And anyone with that kind of athleticism has a high upside if they can reach it, but uh, it's going to be tough for him, you know, maybe pop or something like that, but he's, he was already fighting for a roster spot, let alone playing time. So that's going to be very difficult.
0: Yeah, yeah. Right now, Mike, I, I can't see him getting a roster spot on five or six players who could be wide receivers on this fifty-three no, man.
1: Every rep he misses, I mean, the, the train goes further down the track without him. And l- let's say he's ready, he he's healthy by the end of camp, he will have missed everything. Like you said, he didn't do off-season work. So it, it's too bad. And again, if you if you open the season on pup, I believe they've changed it to four games now. I think it used to be six. So we'll see. And, and also encouraging, and to me very surprising, was Taequann Lewis opened on PUP, and what he, he, was, he, was, he was cleared the, the day later. This is a patella, a torn patella earlier mid-October. So I think it's just, it's great because we talked. I'm a huge Taekwon Lewis fan, and what he does to the depth at end or tackle, whatever, is huge. They're gonna ease him back in, but the fact that he's off a pup, McLeod's off pup, you know, and you, you got you got Leonard and, and Strawn and and other than that, I mean, we I don't there's no wood, this is all plastic. But knock on wood, they're they're in pretty good shape. We found out today that DeForest Buckner is being held out of teamwork. He's got a what do you call it, a back? A back it's, is what Frank Wright said. So it's, atta- it's, it's like Leonard's uh, ankle. It's attached. Right. But he said it's precautionary. And I tell you, these guys, I don't care what the fans think. With these guys, if a, if a player has something that's not right, especially in training camp, offseason or training camp, they don't put them out there. They're not, I talked to Frank Wright today for a story I'm doing on training camp and all this stuff. And th- their, their number one goal without question is to get to September 11th healthy. And not lose a player. Not and you're going to lose somebody. But you've got to go healthy into the season. Yeah, you got to do your best you can and if there's one
0: or two guys, if there's a top 5 guys that you don't want to lose, I mean DeForest Buckner's probably in that list. You want that dynamic uh, interior rush that just so few teams have. I think one more injury note, rookie defensive tackle, Eric Johnson was activated from the non football injury list on Thursday. Uh, so he'll be out there sometime as well. Hey, no hold out for Kenny Moore. Glad to see Kenny out there. I think if you had, if you had really twisted my arm throughout the off season, this is what I thought would probably happen. And, and, uh, and, and confirm chat that Kenny's out there. He's practicing fully. He He's in on every play. Um, it, it's not a sense that, yeah, he he's showing up and then, kind of taking it easy at all. It, Kenny is out there. He's playing. He might still want a new contract, and his agents might still be working behind the scenes with that, but but Kenny's playing like he's supposed to play during the regular season.
1: Yeah, I think we all agreed that, that he would show up because that's kind of – it's kind of who he is, but it's kind of where he's at, too. I mean, he's got two years to go. It's just a difficult situation, and that kind of leads me to, to, to what there's three or four players across the league that have reported – but they're not participating. DK Metcalf, Debo Samuels. Uh, I don't know who I'm, li- I'm missing a couple of the guys.
2: Uh, but, Charger safety, Derwin James. Uh,
1: Derwin James, and there's, there's still another receiver, I think. But but my point is, and I understand the team doesn't want to escalate this to DEFCON 1, but to me, showing up for training camp and standing there is not even remotely in the spirit of what the CBA says. If you're healthy, you practice. And I understand that. I, I think they're close to getting something done with Debo. I really do. Uh, but le- let's say Seattle has no intention of, of extending Metcalf. D- d- then what then what message are you sending to the rest of the team that it's okay to be healthy and not practicing? So I I don't get it. I don't know how the the, the CBA allows you to do that. I don't think these guys are reporting that they're, you know, they're dealing with a with a hammy or something. So I don't know, and it would be it would be the same. It would be Kenny Moore showing up, wanting a new contract and not practicing. Right. And I don't think the Colts would handle that as much as they value and like Kenny Moore. I don't think that would go over well
0: no and fortunately that's not happening so right.
1: so that was that's a giant what if that we do not have to worry that's about. a rabbit I think, hole uh, i wanted to go down and now i'm out of it
0: exactly good deal well as long as we're talking a little bit outside of the organization we can continue with that as some veteran wide receivers uh have signed julio jones signed with tampa bay on tuesday uh chris ballard had said earlier this week himself that uh the colts had no interest specifically in julio jones um, it, it was kind of funny. He said at first he he tends not to comment on specific players. but Then he singled out Julio Jones as this is not happening, guys like drop it. Stop trying to make Julio Jones happen. And and, and he had yeah, no interest in bringing in Julio Jones here. He said T.Y. Hilton is still in the mix, um, but there have been a couple other moves at wide receiver. They signed wide outs, Isaiah Ford and John Hurt. Uh, they wave wide receiver Kakoa Crawford and also defensive tackle Kavion Patton. Um, just a couple moves is uh, at the beginning of training camp to get started in the air. But chap, the, this, the roster is always fluid. And Chris Ballard will tell us that every time he, he steps to the microphone. And uh, it, it's not impossible to see a, uh, a veteran wide receiver added to this mix. Um, but right now, I think that Chris Ballard's goal is to stick with the guys he has. That's just what it seems like since training camp is finally here and we don't have anybody yet like stick with the guys you have. And if then something glaring pops up during training camp and pre and the preseason, then you can go out and add somebody at that time. That just seems to be where he is leaning to me.
1: Okay. Then don't say the Ty's still in the mix. That's the right. thing is I, like, it's, it's like everyone sort of ha- ha- had gotten to the, okay, you're, they're not going to bring T Y back. Okay. It's that's, you know, we wish he, they would have, but we're moving on. Well, no, then he says, well, he's still in the mix. So what you don't know is, do they want to bring him in? And Ty says, "Well, let's wait a couple of weeks because you know training camp and all that." Or are they offering him X million dollars, three million, and he wants six? I don't know. It's easy to say that he's been here and he knows the offense and he doesn't need to work, but it's a new quarterback for crying out loud, and everybody needs to work with a new quarterback. So I don't know. I still it's I still try not to roll my eyes when 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 Frank and, and chris ballard talk about we like what we have and they indicate that the quarterback's going to make these guys better and what we've seen we'll talk about it what we've seen this quarterback will make everyone better in the passing game he will but i just i look at this and i i i just we've talked about this ad nauseum that they're just they're just relying on three or four things to happen you know paris campbell stay healthy uh Doolin or, or 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 Patman to, to, to elevate his game. And one of the tight ends, again, I've told you, I, I would feel better about the wide receiver situation if the tight ends were more proven. But the one thing again, and we've talked about this the one thing that was kind of interesting when when Chris Ballard, you know, I don't think what was I don't think it's as, as as desperate as what you all think it is. And and he says, well, you know, we've got Naheem Hines. Yeah, he's, he's a running back. He's a right. running, you know, so, you know, I, it, it's, it's going to work or it won't. And I'm telling you, if Julio Jones goes out there and catches 50 balls for seven fifty, 50 and, and these guys struggle, we're going to say, really, really, that's what, no, I, I don't know what he signed for. Was it six or $8 million? I don't
0: know off the top yeah. of my head, but I'll, but I'll also say but, if he if he produces that much in Tampa Bay, where they also have, you know, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin true, and Cameron, Br- that, that that would be a surprise. So I think the Colts have that going for them, that like true. Julio Jones, I wouldn't think he would have that big of an impact, right. but he'll still have something. If he goes out there but, one week, you know, and has week one has eight catches for a hundred yards. Like he just goes off in week one. And then the Colts have among their wide receivers, five total catches. We're going to be back here rolling our eyes. Like what the heck happened guys?
1: Yeah. And that's why I, I I've always said, it, you know, even back when there were other options, you know, if it's not TY, then somebody, I mean, we've I've always just said somebody to, that's got a track record of of had a couple of good years, not a, not a number one guy, maybe not a number two guy, but a guy that knows his way around has had those 40 or 50 catch seasons to where the quarterback isn't having to rely, isn't having, isn't going to gonna have to be the influence to why guys have better seasons. So, Hey, it's going to work or it doesn't. If we're talking in December where, boy, you kind of should run in receiver, shouldn't you? But if it works, it works, and good for them if it does. Exactly. We'll, we'll
0: find out. Uh, that's uh, that's the beauty of the game is uh, that the, uh, the the tape will tell. Um, one more piece of news throughout the uh, league before we get to training camp. A Texans' second-round pick wideout John the III will not play in 2022. He was diagnosed with uh, APL, which is a form of leukemia. If I'm not mistaken, I think it's the same type Chuck Pagano had. That's what I read on Twitter from someone. Um, uh, Joe, we talked about me, uh, this this kid along with possibilities for the Colts, obviously, when we were talking wide receivers um a young man out of alabama uh, called it the most curable form of leukemia says he can't wait to come back stronger than ever but the Texans are probably gonna be without their second round pick for this entire season
2: yeah and you feel bad for him because this is a guy who tore his acl during the season last year so he's coming off the acl tear then the leukemia diagnosis um so houston's going to be without a talented wide receiver when he's on the field very talented guy from alabama but you got to wish him the best be able to overcome that and um be healthy and have hopefully a successful career just not against the Colts.
0: Exactly, we're totally and 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 completely like n- less important than the diagnosis and working his way back and being healthy. If I'm not mistaken, chap, I th- I think the Titans didn't I mean Titans, the Texans didn't have a first round pick either this year because so and he wasn't one of their second round picks if my their only second round pick like in, in order to develop as Texas a franchise the corner
2: high. Okay. So, did they? Yeah. I, I so.
0: swear they didn't have a first round pick. Am I am I just an I, idiot? Uh,
2: Two. they took like a guard. well, well he,
0: they completely ignore me <laughs> n- n- never mind
2: they took the cornerback uh
1: very high out of so, so you're so you're an idiot or what i i, I don't yes. know works. yeah
0: let's okay, let's I, I, go I, with I, that no completely <laughs> uh for i don't know why i thought that maybe it was like two years no, was ago a year prior. okay okay I, that was just stuck in my head two years ago for some reason uh here's me shutting up uh my bad and uh yeah so Anyway, we'll, we'll move on to training camp where I've actually back, been watching. Back, yeah, back. we've been watching this for the past couple of days. So hopefully it's a little bit more fresh in my mind than uh, than the draft classes for the Houston Texans for the past couple of years. Um, <clears throat> so we've had a couple practices so far throughout uh, Wednesday and Thursday. Um, I'll, I'll say that you can follow Mike and myself, certainly on Twitter. Cause we've been out there for both of these days. We've had a couple notes and news and notes out there. I, I said, the first thing that I, that I'd noticed out there and, and I tweeted it, Joe retweeted it through the Coles blues on podcast account. This is completely like not super important at all, but, but Jelani woods has a cannon for an arm, which you would expect because he's a big, big guy at tight end who used to be a quarterback. But man, like I looked at him throwing the ball chap and I was like, this guy is, he could probably chuck it 80 yards. That's what it would look like. Like, you, you know, you're Emergency watching quarterback. Exactly. You know, the Hail Mary. Yeah. You know, yeah you're, you're watching guys chap. You always see them throw, play catch, you know, a little bit before practice and NFL guys are athletic anyway. Like they look pretty good throwing the ball. Jelani Woods look like a total natural, which what you, is what you would expect as a former quarterback. That's just one. The first stupid thing that that Dave realized during training camp. And I just wanted to throw it out here. I thought it was pretty cool.
1: Well, and again, we're down on the we're we're really close. We're right on the field field level, and really close to where they are. And there was a play yesterday or today where they split Jelani Woods out left in front of us, and I'm telling you, he's a big kid. He's he's just big, and and the the size they've got with it, with him and 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 Drew uh, Ogletree, and of course Mo. I mean you know, Mo's almost the little guy in the room now of, of those three. So, and then I've noticed they've really tried to get uh, Colin Granson more and more involved. And he still shows you something that there's a drop or whatever, but I, I'm trying to like the tight end room for, for reasons other than they're big and, and Jelani Woods can throw it a hundred yards. Uh, so let's say it's a work in progress.
0: Yeah. Joe, John is your boy, So I'm sure you love to see that.
2: I don't know what to make of his, his, his arm throwing strength, arm, arm, arm power. Maybe you better write into Matt and see if they have that. um correctly attributed, but um, I like Jelani Woods. I just think it's going to take him a little bit of time, but I think he'll probably get most snaps as a rookie, as a blocker. We've kind of talked about in the past, the Colts love those two tight end sets. Kylan Granson's not a guy you want in line blocking. And so obviously Mo is going to be the first guy, but, Jelani is going to have to block in year one, and that's something he did a lot of in college. So hopefully, he'll be ready for NFL. Defensive ends and linebackers.
0: Chap, if we're talking some more serious observations from Cam, some things that we've actually spoken with Frank like Frank Reich, Matt Ryan about is that they are moving quickly. They are moving the te- they are pushing the tempo. They're and, and this is something that, that Frank said today specifically is something that is very much Matt Ryan led. When he gets out there and you break the huddle, he's saying, Go, go, go. Get up to the line. We're getting set. We're seeing the defense and we are we are snapping the ball and we are moving. That is something that is certainly different than we have seen in the past couple years. Uh, to see the, the, the tempo, not just like as in a no huddle quote unquote scenario, which they're not really doing yet in 11, just 11 on 11 drills, but just just from from the play call to calling it in the huddle to getting to the line to making the snap that whole um, that whole operation is going much quicker. And it's something that Matt Ryan says he wanted to do. And Frank Reich said, go ahead and do it. We're seeing kind of the first fruits of that right now.
1: Yeah, I did a story uh, yesterday on the it factor quarterback and leadership and presence and this, that, and, you know, players gravitate toward the player, and that's Matt Ryan. Now, now he's got to play at a good level. If he can't play quarterback, I don't care what kind of leader you are. But but what Frank told us today is that Ryan came to him and said, hey, coach, I'd like to run practice quicker. And and Frank said, have at it. And because he mentioned that yesterday was – I'll get it mixed up. Like yesterday was supposed to be a an hour and 20 and today was an hour and a half and, and each one ended running the same amount of plays 10 minutes earlier. And you're watching practice. What, what we do, you know, you, you're watching and you send out tweets or I'm writing down notes and you have trouble doing that now because as soon as you try to, to, to jot down a note or send out a tweet, he's running another play. You want to say, hey, give, could you give me like 10 seconds to get this last one out? But it's going very quickly. It, it And again, I don't mean to bring back too much of Peyton Manning, but it's it's crisp. It's quick. The ball's where it needs to be. And it's not on the... If it's on the ground, it's because it, what I've seen, he threw one pass where he missed a guy. but By and large, it's because the receiver didn't come down with it. Uh, so... And, and again, it, it, it's the second day of camp and, and don't, you know, you're impressed, but let, let's not go overboard because it is practice. And I think early on, at least when you've got a veteran quarterback, I think the offense is going to be a little bit of a head and, and, and seven on seven. That's, that, that's offense. That, that's, yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's just, it's skewed to the offense. 11 on 11 more is a little, we saw some Kenny Moore plays and Stephon Gilmore's and and, and all that. So, but it, the pace is undeniably quicker. And that's because that's what the quarterback wants.
0: And and when you're doing a fast paced type offense there, you can also say the same after snap, getting the ball out quickly. And we've seen a lot of balls to a Jonathan Taylor, to a Naheem Hines out of the backfield. And even when you get to the, to the backups to Deion Jackson, whoever it might be um, that, that, that is, uh, that is definitely uh, prevalent. It's not as much, that there's still plenty down the field that they're, that they're attacking, but uh, but, but nevertheless, they, it, we continue to, to stress this that we have throughout the off season, Joe, that the running backs are going to see a little bit more action in the passing game this year because of who the quarterback is. And, uh, be, because of the running backs that they have back there with Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines, who both can catch the ball out of the backfield.
2: And I think that fits the offensive personnel really well. If you're not going to go out and get loaded up with wide receivers, Taylor and Hines are two of your best three skill player, you know, skill position players. So if you're in a passing play and you still dump off the ball you're still getting the ball to your best players on the offense so i think that could really help the colts quite a bit bring that defense up and then you can hit guys over the top like a michael pierce streaking down the field
1: yeah so, one yeah, ahead, one thing we talked about with the ball coming out quicker and it is and what what you notice it is and this is not meant as a slam about quarterbacks who've been here in the past there's more there's more of a decisiveness to, to Ryan. That's why the ball comes out quicker, is, is he's deciding quicker where to go with it. I, he, he, it's like he'll look first read, look second read. If the, I, it, You don't notice him going to the third read as much, where that's where the dump off is, whether it's Hines, whether it's Taylor, hit Moali Cox on some of those. So part of the, part of the process of getting the ball out quicker is the quarterback making quicker decisions.
0: Yes. And you know, well, you know me. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna trash the quarterback that was here a year ago. But and and I'll I'll agree with you that it, it's a different style of quarterback. It's a different way to play quarterback.
1: Exactly. Um,
0: yeah. And, and so so we're highlighting just the differences between one and two. Um Of course, you could you can dump it off too much, and you can stand in the pocket too much. And that's what uh, that's what both of those two quarterbacks were referring to here. And Matt Ryan and Carson Wentz would would be. Uh, more likely to do like Carson loved to stand in the pocket and, and and stay there as long as he possibly could and get it out late and hope that somebody would be streaking downfield. And Matt Ryan could get it out quickly and is like decides what to do before the snap more so uh, and and get it out that way. So so like like you said, chap, this is not something that you're trashing one or the other. We, we'll spend plenty of other time doing that later, I'm sure, uh, in, in more explicit fashion. Over the next couple of weeks or throughout the season, but 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 nevertheless, um, it, it's just highlighting kind of some differences in in game management and style. Um, when we're talking about the best plays from training camp so far, Alec Pierce has had a couple of good ones. He's had a couple of good catches downfield. You've seen his ability to get open downfield, um, and. and if you can hit him just a couple times a game, Joe, I, if he gets three catches a game, that's 50 balls a year, you know, in a 17 game season. Yeah. I think you'd love that. So it's not like you need to keep working him over and over and over again. And they haven't been doing that in camp. They've been mostly, like I said, doing short passes, running backs, tight ends, um, out passes to a Paris Campbell or a, or a Pittman, but if but if just a couple times a game you can execute finding Pierce down the middle on a 20 yard, 25 yard in route, like that's exactly what you want from him to give him a limited role and see him succeed in that role this year.
2: Yeah, um, and that's what he did in college. He he had a high yards per catch average. He's really somebody who made plays down the field. He showed off his speed, his athleticism at the combine. If Pierce can, like you said, catch three balls a game. And every other game, he gives you a 30, 40 yarder. That's great out of his rookie season. And then hopefully further into his career, year two, year three, he can develop into a more complete wide receiver. But in year one, he needs to be that deep threat that we've been talking about the Colts needing.
1: And, and there was a play today. He's had a really good camp. He has had a really good camp. And then the first play on seven on seven with Nick Foles, uh, he's lined up right. And he blows past, I believe it was Isaiah Rodgers And, and, Foles put a perfect pass in there, and he dropped it. I mean, it was it was a touchdown. So I, yeah. I know, I know. So so it just shows you that uh, things happen. But I tell you, he that's what he's going to give you. He's going to he's got the potential to to, to get behind a guy, and the quarterback. He's not going to drop that very often. So you know, it, it, it's I don't know how what their downfield game is going to be this year, but I think he more than 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 Pittman, is going to be the guy that's going to give you the the the, the, the major chunk play, because that's what he that that that's his package. That's what he brings.
0: Hey, okay. if Jelani Woods is throwing the ball. They're going to go deep every play. That's what I'm saying
1: <laughs> that's right. Kind
2: of like if I had to compare him, at least his rolling year, kind of like a Marquez valdez scantling a tall, extremely fast player who was really the deep threat for the Packers for the last several years.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. that's my, fine. My my only question on Jelani Woods throwing that eighty-yarder, you know, the protection has to hold up. Yeah. Right. So, so you know you gotta have a hold it for like you know seven seconds uh, to get a guy deep, but but if he can throw it there. And, and far, I don't
0: know about Jelani's uh, footwork in the pocket there to to evade the rush and uh, and and stay stay clean. So that, clean
1: that, that there. that's that's the street ball where you just say go deep, and i exactly. You. So but yeah. If, if he if he throws the pass this year, we'll all just marvel at it and say, well, we saw that in training camp. Exactly.
0: Uh, best play on defense. There's been a couple good ones. There was one that was a a deep ball. that was attempted. I think it was Paris Campbell where uh, Kenny Moore was underneath and, uh, and what's his name? Um, Blackman. Yeah. Came over the top. Thanks. And, uh, and they kind of both converged right at the right time. Uh, chap, you and I were actually talking about it when it happened uh, because we were standing next to each other. It was like Ryan put it in a great spot, a spot where it really couldn't be intercepted. Uh, but both fenders made made really good plays on it uh, and and broke broke the play up kind of in the corner of the end zone is what it would have been and then the other good play a Nick cross interception that came really early on yesterday in the first day of camp just kind of tipped it around batted it to himself came up with the interception Uh, 20 year old guys have been getting run with the ones and the Colts really want him I think to be the starter uh, over Rodney McLeod have him as veteran backup guy there but a couple good plays in the secondary so far which you'll see certainly a whole lot more of than anything on the defensive line because everything down there with the quarterback is you can't get that close anyway. But a, a couple of flashes here and there from those guys.
1: Yeah, and I think what, what was important about the play that, that we were talking about with with Moore and Blackman is that Blackman made the play. That he yeah. went up, that he simply went up and made the play. He wasn't thinking, okay, now wait a minute. How's my Achilles going to respond? And he told us that. He said, it was great to, to go off my left foot and not think about it and come down and, go, and go back to the huddle. It, it's there's so many many boxes you have to check, and he it, it's just amazing uh, that he's back. We, we talked about this during OTAs and minicamp, veteran minicamp, that he was out there, and you're thinking really, because he he did this Achilles in October, you know, and Tyquan Lewis did his his in October, so it it just shows you how medicine is advanced. These guys wouldn't be out there if they're not ready, they they just wouldn't. So it was really impressive, and I think important that that Blackman made a play. That you just make a play; you don't think about how the 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 injury is going to res- respond. So, but yeah, you and I tell you, we've seen talking about some other plays. There were a couple of plays today. We talked to Yannick Ngakwe, and I'm telling you, we're waiting for him over by the interview area, and he walks by, and I swear to goodness, what, I don't know what they list him at. Uh, is he six two? I I don't. I haven't got my roster in front of me. He's not very big. I mean, no, he's not. He, he's Robert Mathis, like he just is, and and he plays at such a high tempo. I'm writing about him for 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 today. He said, yeah, he said he turns on the switch and goes to that dark place. Uh, he said he said, I'm a very nice guy, humble, caring. I've got a dog. I, I had to look up the name of the dog. It was a Belgian Malinois or something. He said, but I turn, I turn on, a, I turn on, the, I flip the switch when it's time to play. And he's just always going. And he chased down uh, Jonathan Taylor for a tackle for a loss. And he he's just quick. He's fast. He's relentless. And, oh, by the way, he's pretty good at sacking the quarterback.
0: Yeah, I, I was talking today, Joe, with uh, with one of the Colts uh, employees. I think it was Kevin Connors. And we were talking about Unique. And he, like, he, he, Kevin mentioned that uh, that he has gotten a sack against the Colts. With like every team he's been with, obviously with Jacksonville, he was one year, he was with both Baltimore and Minnesota in the same season. He played the Colts twice. He got a sack against them twice. And then last year with the Raiders as well. So the Colts fans and Colts personnel certainly knew what he was capable of. And we've seen a really good glimpse of it in these first couple of days of practice. He is always going. He is always on out there on the field. He's not the guy, Joe, that, that would come in, like, get your free agent deal and kind of relax and just be the, the veteran that kind of sits back and kind of chills through training camp. That He doesn't have that in his DNA. He's out there, and he's pushing, and it, it'll be really good for the left tackle battle because they're going to see a guy who's had eight-plus sacks, six-plus years in a row every day, giving his absolute best in training camp.
2: And, you know, by the way, he's in a contract here.
1: That, too. That helps.
2: Yeah, that, that, that'll light a fire yeah. on you as well.
1: I, I tell you, a, a good show at some point is going to be guys who might get contracts next year. I mean, you know, Pittman and Taylor it, it, what if it, what if Ngakwe gets Get you 12, 13 sacks. I mean, somebody's going to pay him. Somebody now obviously it depends on what Quiddy and and Dio do, but if you've got, if you've got what, I think he's 27, by the way, he's six, two, two 46. If he's six, two, I'm six, four. He's not, <laughs> six, he's not six, two. I'm sorry. Uh, but I think he's 20 – let me look here at the roster. He's 20 uh, – I think
2: you're right, about 27.
1: 27. And, you know, it, we, and the stat we always throw out there is that eight sacks and six straight seasons, and the only players that have done that are Aaron Donald and Von Miller. It's, it's a nice group to be in. And the impact he can have is immense. It, it's just immense. It's you've got, you've got Buckner inside, who's a top, I don't know, three or four – three technique and you got Quiddy and Dio on the other side. And Oh, by the way, apparently Quiddy couldn't see out of his left eye. I mean, we found that out. He said, yeah, I had, he said, I had, well, I, I really noticed it when I was driving, but he said, he basically said he, he wasn't blind, but he couldn't see out of everything was blurry. And so now he said, you know, he's, he's wearing glasses, he'll wear contacts. So it, it's, it's it, the front four. If Taequann Lewis can come back, and give you that fifth or sixth guy, I mean, proven guy, you like the combination and the possibilities that they've got on the defensive line.
0: And Joe, imagine what Quiddy will do if he can see out there on the That's field what I'm saying.
1: <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's like Jameis in the late basic situation oh a couple of years ago. I remember that. No, uh, even more, even more reason for me to be high on quitty Pay. I love this defense. I think I've stated this off season. This is on paper, at least. This is the best cold defense I've seen in my entire life. Even the Peyton Manning years Super Bowl team, I've not seen a better from top to bottom, every level defensive unit in Indianapolis.
0: I think you can make that argument. I certainly think you can. Let's get to some training camp battles this year. And we'll we'll start with the left tackle, which is the first one that Chris Ballard mentioned when he spoke to us in the media earlier this week, when he was pressed on, Hey, what what battles are you looking forward to seeing? Left tackle is the first one that comes to mind. Certainly when, uh, like I mentioned with uh, Ngakwe on the other side of the ball, testing your left tackle on every play, the left tackle is going to be tried and tested throughout this training camp. Right now, it is Matt Pryor getting chap a hundred percent of the reps with the first team, uh, and Bernard Ryman is on with the second unit right now. Um, so, so that's how it is. We spoke to Pryor today. He says that he he see, seems to think things are going fairly well for him. And, and I, I agree whenever you're going up in, against Ngakwe, you're going to lose a couple here and there. And, and that's understandable, but uh, it, it's Matt Pryor's. It, it's not like they're, they're flipping right now. If we, if we see Ryman come on, it'll be in the middle of camp or later in camp. And he will have had to do pretty darn well, I think against that second unit uh, to really supplant and get past uh, Matt Pryor to do so. So, so that's what it is right now, chat. That's how we go in. It's Pryor's job to, to keep and hang on to and, 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 and hopefully, from his perspective, not lose.
1: It, it, it's his job to lose. You're, you're right. Yeah. And I remember uh, when Costanzo came in here in 2011, and he went up against Dwight Freeney and Mathis a lot. And there he said there were times where he said, do I belong in the NFL? Because they kept whipping his rear end. But, but that's how you get better. It, it just is. And uh, you're gonna, the only way to get better is to go against people that are better than you are. And but I I do think you're right. the 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 intention the objective is to leave prior there, and and let him show them that they need to give Ryman snaps with the first team. I, I really do, and and because it, we're, what we're going to see, and also it, it, so Danny Penner's been at right guard, and he I, is he's going to be okay at right guard. I mean, here I go dismissing right or guards, but he would have to play very poorly to not be your right guard. He just would. He just would. So I think ideally they'd like to leave Ryman at tackle and let him, let him grow a tackle. He, he might be their tackle in the future. Who knows? I mean, with Pryor you don't know. I mean, Pryor's a young guy too. So if Pryor plays at a high level, he's another guy who, who's it's a one-year deal. So, I mean, you talked about, you remember the, the, the great quote he gave us to where the more you can do, the less you get paid. Well, mm-hmm. you play you play left tackle. You're going to get paid. So, uh, is it ideal if 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 Pryor plays lights out and then you have to sign him as your left tackle, and then you find a spot for for Ryman? Right. Then he's your uh, is he your right guard long term? I don't know, but uh, I I really think they want him to do it, and that's why we're not going to see. I don't think switching with the first unit at, with with, with Prior and Ryman I don't think that's what either one of them gets better yeah
2: and I mean R- Ryman's a third round pick out of Central Michigan he's only played the position for two years he was a previously a tight end who really seriously beefed up like I to expect this guy to be ready to start at left tackle year one would be quite the stretch well, did, did, didn't,
1: didn't you mention he was their second
2: third round pick yeah exactly he wasn't so, even J- Jelani Woods was the first because they
0: saw his arm they're like we need to bring this guy in
2: <laughs> that's right
0: yeah but but yeah, so it, like I, I would love to see Ryman out there because I think he has great potential. But I would also love to see him on the bench because that means you have guys that are that are ready, more ready to play right now. And I think that's that's what Colts fans should want to see is your second, third round pick not starting at left tackle, one of the most important spots on the offensive line. That, that, that's my opinion. So anyway, um, cornerback. And and after a couple of days of camp, this one is one that I, I like. I think uh, between Brandon Faceon and Isaiah Rogers, I think we've seen Faceon in the starting unit a little bit more. Um, but it's definitely one that I believe completely up in the air in terms of how training camp goes. What we see over these next three four weeks will determine the Lions' share of the snaps really at the start of the year. This is a little bit more open to me than than Pryor and Ryman. Chap that uh, whoever kind of wows or whoever. Uh, makes uh, the the proper moves and understands the defense best um, is, is going to get more snaps early on in the season at
1: least. And you probably believe that Rogers has the higher ceiling, uh, you know, younger obviously, and and he's made made some plays and and, and you love the speed. Uh, but at, at that position, you better have four guys that know what they're doing, and you really better have five. I mean, because somebody's going to get hurt. They, they because corners get hurt just because of the position. And but the way that what what I've been really taken by we've talked about it on the when we or on the sideline with George Bremer and these guys is we're used to seeing the double high the split safeties in, in in defenses and I'm telling you they play a lot of single safeties they they've got that second safety in the box they do yep. and, and whether that's just I mean you, you you practice that in camp because that's what I mean you're all of a sudden, you're not going to practice that all the time, and then go to two safeties, split safeties. So, it's really interesting how they're doing this, and it's not what we're used to seeing. And that's fine as long as your deep safety holds up. After he, he go ahead.
2: So I assume that's black men playing back and cross Correct. playing up in the box.
1: They have they got cross playing like a linebacker. It, it's and Kenny's more more's out there a lot. Maybe they do that a, a little bit more with with check uh leonard out i don't know you know i want to see how often they play three linebackers uh, probably did it i don't know 60 percent last year uh, and they were in nickel and other things because i don't think zaire played quite that many snaps i don't i would have to go back and look but we we need to get used to seeing that safety uh one of those safeties up close to the box really
0: that, that was the, the old Cam Chancellor role in the Legion of Boom there with the Seattle Seahawks for years. I mean, they had Earl Thomas back in center field. They had Cam Chancellor up near the line of scrimmage, and both of them were, were exceptional in that in their roles. And uh, if the Colts can get guys who play anywhere near that level, they're going to be thrilled for sure.
2: Yeah, Chancellor, and then, you know, more recently, Jonathan Abrams with the Raiders and Derwin James. Um, and then that second safety kind of retreats, and the two corners kind of retreat back as well. The safety and the linebacker both kind of go to the flats. Um, so that, that,
1: that good it, it, it's, it, it's one of the things. One of the, I'm sorry. It's one of the things that uh, Blackman also said about that play, when he and Moore broke up the pass. He said that showed that if you put very much air into the ball, I'm going to get there. So when you've got a safety that's got that much range, you can do that. So it, it's really interesting to watch his defense evolve that we're not used to seeing.
0: Yeah, the, the battle at safety is going to be a good one kind of alluded to it earlier between Nick Cross and Rodney McLeod for who's going to start because Julian Blackman I think has his spot locked up. He's going to be out there for uh, for a good portion 95% I think are higher of the snaps on defense this year if he stays healthy. But between those other two, uh, does Nick Cross chap kind of have uh, does he take the right steps forward uh, to rely on him to be put out there or do you Do you take the more reliable veteran who's been the league, who's seen it, who's played 16 games this year, that year, the other year? Another really, I think, interesting uh, twist that could happen throughout this training camp as we uh, approach the start of the season is which of those 2 we'll see more time come Sundays?
1: Yeah, I I think they would like Nick Cross to be the guy, but again, like you mentioned, how soon do do, do you let McLeod start it and and, and sort of let Nick Cross, you know, I don't say split time, but 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 get some reps as it goes. Or is Nick Cross going to make it so obvious that he has to be out there? And and again, is is it easier for a for a rookie, a young guy's twenty years old, for a young safety to play to play the position when you're up near the box in the box more as opposed to being back deep? Maybe it's easier. You can get into it quicker when you're playing almost at linebacker. I don't know. We'll see what the responsibilities are. But I think the team would we and again we talked to, to Ballard about this about Cross because he 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 really gave Kahari Willis a, a nice send off to where, you know, this guy's going into much more important work now to, to go into the ministry. But he said they they made it a point in the off season to, to restock at safety. And taking it at his word, he said they were going to take Nick Cross either way because that, they they he was the last guy on their board in the third round and they thought man we got to get the and again like like joe's mentioned they give up gave up a future number th- uh, third round pick they don't do that yep. they don't do that for players so so they like this guy how soon uh that that's gonna depend on how mcleod plays and, and how advanced nick cross is it, it's I- it's really gonna be fun to watch
2: I think Nick Cross starts. I think he's better fit for that box safety. I mean, Rodney McLeod. Maybe you could speak to this because you're the the Philly guy and he's played the with Resident the Eagles, Eagles recently. Yes, uh,
0: expert on the panel.
2: But yeah. I think McLeod is a better fit for that to play the back safety. The Colts have him listed at 183. That's not someone you really want banging bodies in the box. Cross is listed at 212. So I, I I'm really confident that Cross is gonna. Week one, be the starter as her down box safety. I think that 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 is a great observation. And yes, McLeod did not play as much box as
0: he did free in, in, in Philadelphia. I think they switched him up back and forth a little bit, and he was better in the free role. So, and you think so, he's versatile? Yes, he is. So, and that's something that you want from from your safeties to be able to play a little bit of both. Like he has some experience there, but again, kind of more to Chaps' point. That's why I, the Colts probably want Cross to be. To be there, to be the guy in in the box, and uh, if he's not quite ready even at the start of the year for the for the full-time starter role, we'll probably see him work his way in. He'll probably get a good amount of snaps. True, because you're going to still want to develop him there throughout the season because you know, he fits. He just fits that role better, um, and. and and if Nick Cross is two twelve, like I, I wouldn't be surprised if he is. But he's like he's not a super tall guy, chap. As we were talking to him today, like he's a well built two twelve. So he's probably if he approaches that number, he's got to be built like a rock because he's not like one of these tall 6'2 safeties that is just kind of lean and mean and can reach that two hundred pound mark with that. He, he's like, I'm not going to say he's Bob Sanders level or anything like that. I, I was, nobody's that level, but but he is. He's yeah, well built.
1: I was just going to say he, he 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 reminds you a little bit of Sanders. But, but, immediately I mean,
0: you look, back it up because you're like, whoa, Nelly, there.
1: Now, I, 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 again, I, I were, I was in locker rooms when Sanders walked by, and you wondered why he was wearing pads, and he wasn't. So, so, but, but no, this, someone, someone during the draft process, said, yeah, he's a it's probably the owner because Jim Mersey tends to do that. He said, yeah, he kind of reminds me of Bob Sanders the way he hits. Well, that's fine, but Bob Sanders was a was a an alien in his body, couldn't take it, but. It, it, again, that, that's what's kind of, to me, that's the good and the bad of training camp is because some guys just flash. They just, they they look, they show you they belong. Sometimes you see guys, and there's three or four that come to mind. We were talking about T.J. Green, and was it DeJean Smith come to mind that they had that just didn't work. But these guys, they remind me of like a Gerard Powers and an Antoine Bethea. Where from day one they, they they just they they just belonged and like I remember when Antoine Bathe came in I think in maybe it was in 2006 and I guess Tony and and Bill Polian, they said he said, where are you gonna play him? He's starting where are you gonna play him? So some <laughs> guys just kind of they, they show you that yeah, he's everything we wanted. How quick will Nick Cross be out there? I'm not as 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 hundred percent as Joe is but they want Nick cross to be their safety. They really do.
0: Let's jump to the other side of the ball wide receiver. Obviously we know Michael Pittman jr. Is going to be the first, uh, first choice, but after him, it's uh, very much, uh, uh c- catches are up for grabs. You figure the Paris Campbell, if he stays healthy, he's going to be there, but Alec Pierce could snag some more balls. Ashton Doolin, if he jumps into more of that, uh, Zach Pascoe role that we've seen the past couple of years, could approach 50 catches. Then Des Patman, how much has he really developed over the past couple seasons? Mike Strawn, we touched on him earlier. It's probably going to be very, a uh, very long road to hoe to get a significant role or any really role, especially at the start of the year. And then Kiki Kuti as well made a nice long catch. Kuti did uh, in, in practice today, beat some folks deep, which was actually a really it was a really slow developing play. So I'm sure the defensive line would say they would have sacked the quarterback by then. But Kuti did get deep beyond the, uh, the secondary and was hit by. Uh, I can't even remember who the quarterback was at the time. It wasn't Ryan. It might've been Foles, but it also could have been uh, Ellinger. But uh, n- nevertheless, chap, this is one that we're going to, we're going to see continue to play out throughout camp is different guys probably making bigger plays on different days because guys are going to have to try to take advantage of some split time there at wideout to see who fits into what role behind Michael Pittman jr.
1: I tell you, we've seen two practices and we saw, OTAs and, and, and in in camp and uh, w- what just drives you crazy is Paris Campbell can play he can flat play and his value is is accentuated because of the run and catch and Matt Ryan hits him in stride and you just sit there and your mind just kind of wanders about what what can this offense be if Paris Campbell gives you 14 or 15 games and you know I don't know the, I don't know what the volume will be I, I don't because things will be spread around but and then you just go back to the fact he's played 15 games so as excited as you want to get about what he can do does do and might do you, you just sort of say yeah but I mean yeah but and as as I've mentioned before it doesn't matter to us when we're watching and writing and talking who does what, because you know, it's, we're not invested in the team and all that, but some guys you root for. And if you don't root for Paris Campbell, then you got to, then, then he took your girlfriend in high school or whatever. Cause he's just, he's just a good kid. He puts in the time and, and you just say, man, just stay healthy because of what he can do. He he's caught everything. He's running away from people, so I just think it's – I hope this kid stays healthy for a lot of reasons, one of them that he'll make the team exponentially better. But for him, it's a contract year, and whether he has that kind of year to get a big deal or it's going to be, well, yeah, do it again. But he's looked awful good.
0: Yeah, the, um, that, that'd be a problem I think the Colts would love to have is dealing with uh, Paris Campbell after a good year, trying to figure out what the contract is going to be going forward. So, um, so Joe, like, like we said, Pittman's number one, uh, Paris, they'd love to be number two. And like we said, if Alec Pierce can get three catches a game and carve out a role, I think that's the ideal role for him. And if something happened to Pitt or to Paris in front of him, uh, to ask him to do more, would be a little bit of a stretch. Um, so that's.
2: But he'd that's, almost have to. I exactly,
0: mean. he would. Like he absolutely would.
2: And and I think I think ideally he's able to step up. They feel good about him being that third wide receiver with Paris and Pittman out there in two wide receiver sets. And then Ashton Doolin's the guy we've been high on. Your number one breakout player. That's right, my guy. And, and I think I think he's a guy who can take another step forward this year. He had some flashes last year. Um, Caught a couple touchdowns, and if he's your number four, I think you feel pretty good about that with probably Dez Patman bringing up the rear. Um, and we'll see what happens with injuries. I mean, if, heaven forbid, Paris does go down again, I think there's a decent chance they might be calling T.Y. and say, hey, you want to come in and play slot for us this year?
0: Yeah, that's that, and that's the, the wild card, chap. is If just things don't develop the way that Frank Reich and Marcus Brady and Chris Ballard want— this is a, a position that could look uh, dramatically different with the addition of some type of veteran throughout training camp sometime.
1: I just, the only question I've got, and, and they mentioned this at the end of OTAs, I think, is or going into OTAs. We want to see what we have, we, we want to see how these guys play. And I hope they still don't have that mentality now. I hope you know what you have. I, I really do. Uh, now you don't know what the ceiling is on these guys, and and how they're going to play in games. But I hope you understand, from a coaching standpoint, what these guys are capable of doing. Whether it's Doolin or or Patman or or whomever, and you know you know what you know what Pittman and you know what Campbell can do. And I I, I get maybe you don't know what Pierce can do because you've not really had him. But but I, I keep. That's why I I was resigned to the fact that they weren't going to sign a a veteran whiteout because they haven't signed one. And and don't you think it will take an injury to have them sign Ty? I Y? I don't, unless a contract offer is simply not good enough. And I, again, we've talked, I don't, you anticipate one year, 3 million, and maybe some incentives to get him, whatever. And if that's if he wants more, I just don't see think, think that he gets it here. I just I just don't think that he's proven enough over the last couple of years that he's worth more than that. I, I really don't now if if Paris goes down, heaven forbid I'm not you know, th- th- then you do you reevaluate because if one of your top guys goes down, well, we're talking Pittman, Campbell or Pierce, then it's their it's election a duty not to bring in a veteran. And the problem is, when you wait this long to bring in a veteran, there's not a lot out there. So you know, I, I, I I'm not as high in this group as they are. We uh, that you know, I've no one's that high out. on this group as they are. It's amazing. It, it it's it's amazing. But but I kind of think that they this is who they barring injury this is who they go into the season with. Now m- maybe somebody cuts. Some teams may have a glut of receivers, and you're going to cut a guy or whatever. Tampa Bay has a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe they cut Julio Jones, <laughs> yeah, Scotty Miller or something, you yeah. know? Yeah, I I, I just I, I you just would feel better having a guy that's that's had a season, like I said, that's done something. So but but again, it's we were talking on the sidelines and the, the last thing you want to hear from the media is come December. The GM said, boy, I, I I'm just kicking myself for not bringing in a veteran receiver. Well, you know, you had the chance, so there, there. There's no question that it either works or it doesn't, and I hope it works for a lot of reasons.
0: A lot of questions about what kicker is going to work for the Colts this year, because Rodrigo Blankenship, even when he was healthy last year, uh, Colts said, "You know what? You, you stay there. You, you stay on the sideline. Exactly. Go play. Go play at home with your Lego, Joe. Lego. You lay. There's no S at the end of Legos. What
1: if there's multiple? So what? It's Lego. What's, like what's Lego's like it's Lego is the plural Lego. Yes,
0: it is. It's like dear. So
1: so. so Plural of Lego is Lego. Is Lego? Yes. You get two Lego sets. Yes. Okay. okay. What about ego? Like if you're making waffles.
0: Lego, my ego. <laughs> just like that. Um, he's going up against Jake Verity, who's a backup for Justin Tucker in Baltimore. No one's surplanting Justin Tucker in Baltimore. Um, so, uh, you you don't know exactly what Verity brings. We, we haven't seen a ton of kicker work out there, chap. You do, You technically, you typically don't. So this is a um this is a a battle that I can't shed too much inside or light on right now. Um, but yeah, I, I think that Verity has the stronger leg. It's going to come down to just how reliable he can be in the, in this preseason. Cause cause Rodrigo, his leg is, his leg is proven. We've seen what his leg is. Like, did he get significantly stronger this off season? I sincerely doubt it. Like we know what he is. So if, if Verity can come in and prove that he has some type of consistency, then I think Rod's probably going to be in a little bit of trouble. This is a, a, a training camp battle that, that again, another one that could go either way. And I don't think the Colts really care who who takes it, one guy or another. They just want the better kicker to be on the roster.
1: Yeah, it, it's I when, when I did my positional uh, breakdown, and this special thing this is the last one I did going into camp, and so many people are blinded by – Blankenship's rookie season, where he set records for was it points and made field goals and PATs and all that. He's an 83% kicker for his career, 83.5 for his career. And this is at a time when the league guys are kicking 88, 90%. Some guys are kicking mid 90s. But the thing that in he's three for eight, three for eight. On forty-six plus yard field goals. I mean, those those need to be routine, and you just wonder if if a team can't, if a team doesn't have trust in a kicker to where you get to to midfield or the forty-five yard line, and it's it's third and six or it's fourth, what whatever. There's going to be times you need to kick a fifty-five yard field goal and have and have. Faith that you got a seventy percent chance of of hitting it. I think I looked. I wish I had the numbers with me. But since over the last since Venitari's last year, they're they're just awful. They're, they're like eighty 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 percent, and it's six worse worse than the league, and they're they're awful outside the the, the fifty yard line. They they were like I don't know what it was, three out of eight or ten or whatever it is. And the kicker for the Bengals last year, Evan McPherson, kicked like nine. He was like nine for eleven, or eleven for twelve, or whatever. But the idea, if you're a quality team, is you're going to need the long field goals. You just are, you know. You, and if you don't trust your kicker, do do you do you punt when you don't want to, or do you roll the dice and say I, I've got this play on fourth and five I like that we're going to because we don't want to punt so. I, 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 know they, they really, when we talked to Chris Bowder in the off season, he said, boy, verite. has got a cannon for a leg. So they like him, but, and he, he had a decent training camp, uh, preseason with Baltimore. I thought he was like five out of six or six out of seven, whatever it was. I haven't got the numbers in front of me in preseason with a 53 yarder. I think it was. And when we talked to, to hot rod during, uh, OTAs or mini camp, uh, he said, Yeah, he said, I don't, you know, I don't think it should be an issue. I don't think it's an issue. I understand why it is an issue, with the leg strength. I understand why it, it is. I don't kind of agree with it. He said, Yeah, I, I set the all time Rolls Bowl record for postseason in the Georgia. Okay. But it's
0: but, in college ball, son.
1: <laughs> and, and then he said, I know I haven't done it here. And I think I agree with you, Dave. They don't care who it is, just kick. Just kick because you've got if – you, if you're if you a playoff-quality team, how many games did the Bengals win last year because of their rookie kicker? I mean – And in the it, playoffs, nevertheless. Right. And, and so I know a lot of people, they, they they hate kickers. They think they shouldn't be talked about in their afterthoughts. Now, go back to 2019 where they stuck with Vinny too long and he cost them, I don't know, three games. I mean, literally with kicks. So – just make your kicks. Just, just, that's why I say the fact that he's 83% for his career. And the one that I can't get out of my head was that 33 yard where he put off the upright in Buffalo and you lose by three. So I, you gotta don't, don't take, don't, don't slough off kicker because you gotta, you're going to win and lose games. Baltimore, remember Baltimore, uh, when, when, when he, uh,
0: when he was trying to match Justin Tucker pregame, apparently, and then just it pulled something in his leg.
1: And he, and he misses a game winning 40, whatever it was, eight yard field goal at the, at the end. Yep. Uh, so th- th- and those, uh, they're not routine, but boy, you need to be able to hit 48 yarders, I don't know, 80% of the time, 85% of the time. And these guys aren't doing that.
0: Yep. So, Joe, like when three or four games are going to come down to kick sometime this season, uh, you, you want the kicker out there who is who, who you can rely upon the most, who can hit one that's forty-eight, who you feel pretty good about uh, about sending out there. And right now, I don't know. I don't know who who you feel good sending out there, just because we haven't seen enough of uh, of, of of Verity. And if you just go by pure history, uh, your boy Hot Rod has uh, has left more questions than answers right now in his young career.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, and you guys have talked about it from distance from 4,500. He's been pretty darn good, but yep. you need to hit the longer kick sometimes or those situations. And so I feel like if they do go, if they decide Verde, maybe has the bigger leg, but he's not quite as accurate. He doesn't give you the consistency and they go into the season with Hot Rod. I think he can be a serviceable kicker, but he doesn't have that ceiling that you seek out of an NFL kicker who's going to play for you for 10 years and you don't even think about it. For so long with Vinatieri, you didn't even think about kicker. It, nope. it was automatic. I get he's the GOAT, but there's other kickers around the league, not just Justin Tucker, where it's, where it's like that. So the Colts will be searching for that guy until either Blankenship or somebody else proves that they can hit the long kicks not just the short ones so
0: we've just had two days of training camp already that much to talk about there will be so much more over the next week and beyond that coming up so be sure you subscribe to us on the colts blue zone podcast get us delivered to your podcast listing device every week and as of right now guys we are 45 days away from the first colts game in 2022 in houston against the texans trying to shed a streak of i don't know exactly what it is chap is it eight years in a row they've lost week one
1: i think it's 31, I think it is.
0: 31? Okay, 31 or 32. Uh, are they, are I, I, they think Mike,
1: I think Mike Bigel is the starting quarterback when they want to open There you go.
0: It was early on in the Indianapolis era. It Eric was the, Dickerson it was the Raiders, just, it, was the yeah, Raiders, just wasn't it?
1: The Raiders, exactly. I think, in, in 13 or 14. There you go. Yeah, it's back. It's back. It's not. It's not
0: recent. We'll put it that way. Correct. But Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get to our uh, we'll get to week one eventually. Now it's all training camp all the time. You can check out Mike's work online fox59.com, 4 Indie.com. Follow us all on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone. Specifically, I'm Dave G underscore Sports. Mike is at M Chapel fifty one. Joe is at Roto Street Joe. We appreciate you taking the time to listen. We'll see you next week on the Colts Blue Zone podcast.